0: I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. Trisha Barker experienced a profound near-death experience during her senior years of college. Her NDE story has been featured in various media outlets, most recently The Dr. Oz Show just this past February. Trisha's new memoir, Angels in the OR, What Dying Taught Me About Healing, Survival, and Transformation, was just released April 16th and is available wherever books are sold. This summer, Tricia will be hosting the second annual Near-Death Experiencer Summit, where ND experiencers will be coming together to tell their stories and teach the lessons they have learned from their experience. This promises to be an inspiring and enlightening summit, and you can find more information about it at the universityofheaven.com and Trisha Barker N D E on Instagram. I'm excited to welcome Trisha to Life Death and the Space Between podcast today.
1: Hi Amy, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks for being here.
0: So tell us about your NDE because it's an interesting one.
1: Yes, yeah, so they all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they truly all are. And you know, I've told this story so many times, and I never tire of telling it. And I've never forgotten a single moment of it. Uh, and I find just that element interesting because it's so unusual to be out of body. And even people who've had just an out of body experience or just this moment, they know that that environment is different the minute they're out of form. So I had a wreck, a car wreck, and I had to have emergency spinal surgery, and. I lifted up some, at some point during the surgery, they had been operating on me for a while. And I knew this because my back was pretty bloody. My hip was opened up and I saw my body immediately. I just was so excited because I was agnostic. And I was certain in those moments that we go on, that this was not a dream, not a hallucination. This was a spiritual reality. This was my spiritual form. And I was continuing on, past this body and I really didn't feel much connection to the body I looked at it and I thought oh gross <laughs> you know that's that's, <laughs> that's kind of nasty <laughs> you know like there's all this blood um there were these angels who were so intelligent and I they were the part of the experience that I thought, oh, that's weird. <laughs> you know, like well, Angels? I didn't expect this. But they were massive, about nine feet tall, and had this healing light that they sent through their eyes into my spirit form. They were communicating with me. And that's really why I titled the book Angels in the OR, because I was shocked by these angels. That was the first image that really Hit me, and then they said, Watch this. And they sent this healing light through the back of the doctors into my body, lit up my body with this amazing light. And I knew that the pieces of bone fragment would be picked out, that uh, I would walk again, that I would be fine. I knew that my body would be fine, and this was because of their healing energy that they were sending through the doctors. They were facilitating some of this healing. And that image was bizarre to me, you know, but wonderful. It was both healing and communication at the same time, and then everything flatlined. So at that point, I knew I was technically dead. I heard the machine beep, and before that, I was probably just out of form before, you know, the the technical um, death of the heart. Mm-hmm. And later, this was written down as I just bled to death, um, that there were too many veins that were opened up and too many internal injuries, and I lost too much blood, So my near-death experience story has been studied a lot because I have veridical perception, which is the verified moment outside of form. So I saw outside of the operating room, I saw my stepdad get a candy bar out of the machine, and he was getting a Snickers bar. Later, this was verified, my mom and dad, and I do believe that this is why my heart kind of goes out to parents who have lost kids. There's a soul connection, you know, and a, a biological connection, and just this Parents are intricately connected to their kids, and they knew the moment of my, my death because they both fell to their knees, and they were divorced at this time, my mom and dad, but here they are in the waiting room, certain I died and praying with all their hearts that I live, and my stepdad comes back into the room a few minutes later with this candy bar, makes a joke, and says, hey, get, you know, put pray, pray and eat some candy bars, you know, and, and, uh, and they remembered that moment, and I didn't and know. You
0: walk, did you see that moment?
1: I didn't see that moment. I only saw him get the candy bar, but of course they remembered the candy bar, you know, my mom and my dad uh, later. And, and so that was, you know, part of my story. Well, after the hospital, I felt this oneness with everyone, this, and it was more just a oneness with everyone in the town of Austin, where I was going to school. I was going to school at UT. And so I just felt one with Austin, just this peace, almost like I was saying goodbye to the world. And and the world that I knew around me and the people that I'd known and and just sending love to them in this spiritual sense like thank you and goodbye and, and um, then the sky kind of opened up and I guess that's the part where I transitioned through it was a very quick tunnel but it was just darkness and then suddenly I was in what looked like the cosmos or you know a lot of stars but I knew that this light that was coming for me was God like it was a form of intelligence and God helped me through the life review. And my life review wasn't extensive, but I was shown.
0: Well, you were young, right? I mean, you were 18 at the time.
1: 22, yeah.
0: 22. 22.
1: So I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done a lot to really look at deeply, but I was judgmental. And um, I saw that any judgment uh, cuts us off from the light of other people, that I was missing the hearts of people and how they were really good and really beautiful. And judgment kept me from seeing that. And
0: and how did that show up for you? I have so many questions right now. (laughs)
1: Why?
0: Because we talked before, but I didn't want to hear the the full story because I wanted to be able to really respond in kind of a the most curious fashion possible. Yeah. Um, What? So what? In that life review, because I'm fascinated by the this concept. What exactly
1: did you feel? Right? Because we feel what it's like. We don't. Yeah. So I felt the other people. And so I felt that, and I didn't hurt them deeply. The people I was shown, they just wondered about me. They were like, why is she so closed off? Why is she so depressed? Why is she so um, sad? And they actually prayed for me. You know, the couple that I saw in my near-death experience, I worked with them at a restaurant and I was a college student and they were older you know and and hadn't gone to college and had a kid and I just thought I have nothing in common with them you know they're professional waiters and waitresses and I'm I'm gonna be a big shot I'm going to a big university and you know I wear better clothes (laughs) and I mean all kind of ridiculous things Mm -hmm. that I thought separated me from them and here I was suffering and here they were just like full of the light of God and loving loving people who actually cared about me and I thought wow these two people cared enough to include me in my prayers and I could barely even say hello to them and I felt so ashamed of myself you know and maybe I've never fully even verbalized that before but I just thought how silly of me to think that just because they don't have a a college degree or wear Doc Martens (laughs) that they're not cool right (laughs) and it um And it just, I I saw how shallow some of my thinking was. And I thought, oh, I'm going to come back and I'm really going to get to know all people's hearts and souls. Like, that's that's the key. And I think maybe God... Shows us a moment that in a near death experience that helps us live differently. And that's the one I needed because I was going to be interacting with students from all walks of life, you know, very, very poor to very, very wealthy to, you know, the whole spectrum. But everyone was going to have light and everyone was going to have this important soul mission. And it was my journey to see their heart and help them expand, not to judge them. And, you know, even teachers can be judgmental, you know, of students based right. on, and I saw this when I worked in school districts, like, oh, this kid wore a concert t-shirt, I don't like him, he goes to bad concerts, or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this girl dresses in miniskirts, she's a slut, or, you know, like, whatever, you know, like, there's that, that uh, judgment, it's right. even teenagers, and that hurt me so badly, you know, I, I did not judge my students, I knew very clearly, that God was like, that's not what you do.
0: So that so you had, you saw that image, and then yes. what, what else happened?
1: Well, then I saw other times where I was very much in tune with the love of God as a kid. So I played in nature, and I was very, um, very much like a meditator, even as a kid. I would go out into nature, close my eyes, sit cross-legged, and, and animals would sometimes come near me. And I was very peaceful, and that helped me escape some of the uh, the worries I had and pain I had as a kid, that nature was incredibly healing. And so I heard the message, remind them to go to nature, and then I saw how I loved pets and loved my friends and loved people, and I heard the message, love is all that matters. It's all that you take with you. So that was part of that message, too, was love is it. That's what we take with us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then... At what point did you return to your body? Well, I transitioned into heaven and I met with my grandfather. He was the only person who was dead at that time. And we spent some time communing. And just like the angels, he talked with me through telepathy, through his eyes. And it was right. very calming.
0: It's just that that cognizance, right? Like that, know, that knowing, you just know it. Yes, exactly. Because I call that soul knowing.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's a good term. (laughs) So we just knew each other and communed for a minute. And he asked me if I wanted to go on to the light of God. And I saw the light of God as this bright, bright light up in the right hand corner. And my soul just flew towards the light of God. I just could not wait to get close to that love. And that's the most powerful part of my near-death experience. And that's what I come to time and time again. And that's, you know, people live in this world and they want greater faith. And I think if they had just 10 seconds of that feeling of God, they'd never question God's existence ever again, because I felt better than i would ever felt in my life. I felt more loved, more whole, more happy, more at peace, more free. Just every good feeling was amplified a million times. And I didn't want to come back because it feels like, oh, you're home and you just want to journey closer and closer to that love and finally feel good. We can never in our bodies, I don't think, ever feel that power. You know, we can Mm -hmm. get glimpses of it, but there is just this absolute everlasting peace that I felt, you know, and joy and excitement. So it was many things at once, but I was stopped. It seemed like there was a barrier at some point, you know, an energetic barrier, and I was told to look down and I was shown all these many souls, and I knew them to be souls. They were lights, and some of them were covered with what it looked like fear, uh, which was like a shadow, and others had their lights on. And God said, you have to remind them to turn on their lights. And that seems like such a simple oh thing. God. Wow. <laughs> but it, it to me, and I understood it was going to be students, and I understood it was going to be public schools and colleges I, Knew that it was that, you know, like there's just, as you say, this knowing that was part of the communication that that was going to be the easiest way for me to reach people to, re- to really give them a self-esteem, a connection to their power, a connection to their spiritual um, being and, you know, go out into the world as a light instead of someone filled with fear. And I knew this. Mm. And then I argued for a minute with God. It was like, oh yeah, but I wanted to go to law school <laughs> and I wanted to be, you know, I'm like ruining you know, my plans here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, so there's, that, that phrase, when you make a plan, God laughs. This is like really it in
1: its purest form, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and God really did laugh at mm. me. I mean, like truly laughed at me and I felt like either kicked or hurled back into my body, but I mean, it was kind of like this, I was ejected out of heaven, you know? and, and that was the last thing I heard is that, you know, you must remind them to turn on their lights, and and so that's all I was given was this mission, and later I would learn that a lot of near-death experiencers wish they had a mission, but I woke up and I was like, okay, I can't ever go against that. No matter what I do, no matter how I mess up in life, I have to show up in these school districts. I have to be a good teacher and I have to be there for these students in a spiritual sense and in a realistic sense. And I, I mean, like when God gives you an order, you have to go ahead and follow it.
0: <laughs> and God, and you weren't religious? No. Before no. this happened?
1: No. And these angels,
0: can you describe, did they look like the way we see angels or, or the way we see angels in pictures or everything was just this knowing, this sense of knowing?
1: Um, There's a couple of pictures of archangels that are very powerful and strong. You know, sometimes they depict Uh, Michael or Raphael or, you know, Mm -hmm. like just like huge beings, but I didn't see clothes or robes or wings or that kind of thing. It was just a flow of light. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I could see where robes might be interpreted, you know, because it was just flowing energy. So they were light beings makes more sense to me than angels because they were composed of lights. They were powerful So, yeah, they're not human, not animal, um, you know, just they're spiritual beings that are messengers of God or light beings that are there to maybe connect us to God in a way that makes sense in that moment. You know, like I needed healing energy and the whole power of God showed up in that operating room. That might have been too much, but you know the focused energy of healing through these angels made sense to me. And I think they help us make sense of that environment, that afterlife environment, because they've been there and they understand it. They mm-hmm. you know, are part of it.
0: And the God piece, same thing, was was just. And Like, how did you differentiate between what was angels, what was archangels, what were archangels, what was God? I mean, it was just
1: that knowing? It's a lot of the knowing. The archangels, they had to be guardians or archangels because they were so large, um, you know, in the operating room and so powerful. And God, this, you know, this is a tough question because... Near death experiencers get attacked on both sides. you know we get attacked by atheists and agnostics, and we get attacked by some um, literal uh, interpreters of the Bible, some Christians who say that you know this was not God, this was just you know the devil posing as god because you didn't see jesus or you you know like we we get attacked deeply and i always reply look the soul like you say has this knowing and when you're in the presence of god you know you're in the presence of god there is no denying it and i just knew this to be god i could call this light i could call this source i could call it divinity i could call it um unconditional love, you know, just the source of unconditional love that Mm -hmm. is more powerful than anything I've ever encountered, but I know it as a reality. And, and that's, that's the big difference. And then the, the agnostics and atheists who, uh, you know, say this is the brain shutting down and it can be duplicated by different drugs and et cetera, et cetera. I've never experienced, okay, so there's no memory in my life that I can go back and recount with this vivid detail and feel like I'm on a journey. So as I tell the story, I always feel like I'm on that afterlife journey because it's so different from this reality, just mm-hmm. so completely different.
0: Hmm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so the angels healed were there working on your body while you were traveling. Yeah. And then you came back into the body and at that point felt like, how long were you, do you have a sense for how long you were out of about out of your body?
1: Yeah. So that's a good question too. I did ask and when I survived beyond and back did their series, they went back to my hospital records and they found out that I was dead for two and a half minutes. And so it was only two and a half minutes that my heart stopped but to me, it felt like days, you know, like who knows, you know, the timeless environment of it. it seems. And you were
0: out of your body before you died, right? Because you said yes. you watched yourself die.
1: Yes. So at least that was probably another minute, you know, before before the actual um, death. So all of that could have occurred in three and a half minutes or so, which is amazing. You know, like that, that so much can happen in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I
0: guess that brings up that question of time right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Other deep discussion about is time linear and how time feels and all of that and so you return to your body and and then kind of yeah. bummed out about that right
1: well yeah it's interesting some people say that they have to remember um you know or they I knew immediately and I was disoriented as soon as I was back in my body I felt larger than my body um you know, I felt like my consciousness was both outside of me and inside of me. And they were asking me my name. And I, I kept referring to myself in third person, because and yeah, of course, there was anesthesia and confusion. But mm-hmm. I really, I felt like I was more than this body. And it annoyed me to have to come back to this body. You know, it was just Trisha and her psychology and her life and her, you know, that's what I have to be. And so I kept talking in third person. Eventually, they they wouldn't let me out of, you know, that area until I would say I and Trisha and identify as myself. And so I was talking to nurses about the unconditional love of God. I was telling people, even when I was, you know, pumped up with morphine and probably not making complete sense, like, God, God's so amazing. <laughs> you know, God's amazing. And, and people would just laugh and go, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Did any of the the people operating on you? experience anything?
1: Well, and that's sad. Um, My surgeon, I did confront her and she was really shocked. I said, hey, I died. And she said, yeah, we thought we lost you for a couple of minutes, but you're fine. You're getting blood transfusions. You're going to be fine. And she was really guarded. And so every time I brought it up, I could sense her step back and almost like pushing back at me going, quit talking about this. So I got the sense that it was something that she was either embarrassed that I had died on the operating table because she prided herself as a very good surgeon and she just wanted to look at how well I was going to heal and I was going to walk and she saved my leg and you know like there was so there was a lot of success to the surgery and that's what she wanted to talk about and uh, I don't know. I've heard other people's stories about how they were considered, uh, you know, they needed to be hospitalized, or they thought it was psychosis, or you know, those types of things. So I think she just wanted to avoid the discussion.
0: Mm. Gosh! And she had so much help. No, <laughs> right? I don't know. And we can't get we can't get through this world without help. So, and how amazing to think that you can call on that
1: help, right?
0: Yeah. If,
1: sometimes, if you need it. Yeah. Well, one of the beautiful things is I thought, well, okay, am I going to be open to this in the classroom? And so I would say a little prayer and I was like, angels work through me, go ahead mm-hmm. if you want to. And most of what I do is, you know, lecture and then work with students. So sometimes during lecture, I know that some kind of warm force would come through me and it would feel very loving and I wouldn't remember what I said. And sometimes a student would start crying after class and, you know, I'd hug her and I didn't even know what I'd said, but mm-hmm. I just know that sometimes messages were aimed at particular students.
0: And this was 25 years ago. Yeah. Why, why now? Like what took so long for you to, to tell this story this, in this way?
1: Yeah, so this is you know my story is more than the near death experience because it is um, the story of a young woman in our culture who, uh, if you're you know say if you grow up poor, if you grow up as a minority, if you grow up as a woman, if you grow you know you add all these different elements, then your journey is going to be different in the society, and it took a lot of courage uh, to make that first YouTube video to go ahead and go you know what I'm going to be public about this, but people kept interviewing me, you know, National Geographic interviewed me and and they only got a little piece of my story. They almost made it sound kind of goofy. Like Trisha believes the angels or the spirits still work through her, you know, today. That's like Mm -hmm. what what the blurb said. I was like, no, I've got to talk about this in my own way. And I've also got to tell it from the point of view that we come back to this body and we still have to walk through really horrific things, just being on this earth. And so what heals even the PTSD of stalking and sexual assault and, you know, really traumatic things, it's always that love of God. It's always knowing that you can bring that into your heart. You can bring that into every molecule of your body. You can bring that into your life Mm. and wash away that pain and really still be this source of healing and that we can help heal one another. I'm really drawn to Especially groups of women who can get together and really be present for each other and some of that healing at work. I think it's just very important. But you know, there's lots of male students who have um, suffered sexual assault and I I worked with them in junior highs too and, and it, it breaks my heart, you know. But at the same time I had to learn the legal steps and the realistic steps and the spiritual steps to healing. And I, I just want people to know they really can heal, that they really can be free. Mm-hmm. And I think to
0: your point, you know, you said the, the you talked about the three steps. I don't think that you can have, you can just be one, right? Like you have to integrate. This is obviously my thing is integrating the spirituality with the psychology because we are human. We are in a human body. We do have real feelings and emotions. And so you have to be grounded in that in order to go up. And I think to receive the healing that can come from the people that can help us from beyond, right? Like there's people yeah. who can help us in this, on this earth, on this, in this reality, but there's also other realities where we can look for help. And I don't think that you can just do one or the other. I think the integration of both is really where the most powerful healing can happen.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Like it seemed to go in those three stages like the physical steps of contacting police, taking self-defense courses, you know, for me weapon training class, you know, anything that made me feel physically safe, then then I opened up to the psychology of it and then Then, you know, there is the cutting cords with the, you know, the spiritual elements Mm -hmm. of it too, and the really the deeper and deeper, deeper healing and receiving of healing. So it is a three stage, you know, where you have to, you're in shock and you have to take care of your physical world, then the psychology, then the spirituality of it. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes that can come much later and it's okay, you know, for people to walk a while through the physical and psychological aspects of it.
0: Right. So how has your life changed? I mean obviously drastically. <laughs> and and what do you feel like like where do you think your path would have been versus where it is? Is it I mean mm. you said you wanted to go to law school. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, so the plan was to traipse around Europe for a while, maybe work as an editor and just, you know, take a job in New York City, try to get into the best law school I could and be as successful as I possibly could. And as, as defined by what? Money? Material, yeah, because I grew up poor. So, you know, eventually I wanted to make money. And, and, you know, it sounds awful, but I had it in my head, you know, that I was just going to be so political and so, um, you know, whatever it took, you know, to mm. to make money. And if that meant, you know, whatever it meant, you know, like that was just the goal. And that's kind of a a sad goal but I don't think it's uncommon (laughs) you know like I don't think that you know in this I was just a product of America you know you grow up poor in America and you might want nice things you know like Mm -hmm. you might think that that's success that shows you're smart that shows you you know have done something with your life and um, that's just how I defined it so I don't think I would have been giving um, i I don't think that I would have helped too many people. I think that I would have had a bigger ego. And I think that, you know, my ego would have been based on how I appeared to the world, not what I did in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the greatest, happiest moments of my life have been not when I've done something, but when one of my students has like opened up and succeeded and changed. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, wow, I had a small part in that. And their lives affects so many other lives, their family, their children, everyone they interact with. And I'm like, that's spreading love. That's spreading success. Like that's the greatest success.
0: Mm -hmm. God, that's just an amazing message. So what would you say are your biggest takeaways for my listeners? on your experience?
1: My biggest takeaway, and I say this time and time again, is you can heal. So nature is a great place to begin. Meditation is a great place to begin connecting and calming down that nervous system. We're so overstimulated and God is a part of our lives and can work magically through our lives, but we have to open up to that and we have to open our hearts to that experience. And nature can be a first step. Meditation can be a first step. And no matter who you are, what you believe, even if you're atheist or agnostic, if you meditate, you're taking a break from your the you know, interactions of your mind and the overstimulation of your mind. And you're at least opening yourself to more relaxation and the possibility of greater healing. But but yeah, the near-death experiences teaches us love is all that we take with us. So in the best of times and the worst of times, if you have love and if you're giving love, you're good. You're golden. <laughs> you know, there's, there's that.
0: <laughs> love is all, I'm writing that one down, all we take with us.
1: Yeah, so if you write a book with the hopes to spread love and to spread healing, then you're good, you know, and, and people attack people for all kinds of things, you know, um, but if you know your intentions and you know your reasons for what you do and you know that it's love, then, you know, that it it just, I know that I've been touched by love from people from other generations through a painting, through a book they've written, through something they've done, I've just felt the inspiration and the passion and the joy and you know that's that's what I hope to do. Is someday I'll be dead and gone, but you know maybe someone will pick up the book and go, "Well, that helped me. Thanks." You know, whoever you are out there in the cosmos.
0: Right. And you do. You have this near death experience summit coming up. So can you explain? Because this is a new the way you're doing it seems really it, it's different. It's not how most summits are usually. So tell everybody yeah. about it and tell them where they can find you and how they can how they can um, yeah purchase so, it
1: last year I created the first annual um, online near death experience summit and I got together twelve speakers and then in one day you know these speakers just spoke about their experiences and listeners could uh, interact with them this year. I'm doing it a little bit differently, and I'm partnering with University of Heaven, and I'm really excited about this because we've got some amazing researchers, like obviously you know Raymond Moody mm-hmm. and Dr. Jeffrey Long, and so many different people, Paul Perry, and then many near-death experiencers. And I'm interviewing them ahead of time so that they can purchase the question and answer interviews and their stories and their research and watch those ahead of time, and then on. Um, in late June, there's going to be a summit, and the speakers are going to be broken up into categories, and the people who purchase that package can ask their questions so if they've been dying you know to, to ask Raymond Moody this one question, then they can actually do that and hear him talk um, and it'll be the first hour will be several researchers, the second hour will be researchers and near death experiencers, and then the last hour will just be some of the near death experiencers from the um, the videos. So there'll also be a Facebook group where I'll kind of call through questions and and really narrow down what people most want to hear from from these researchers and near death experiencers. And and I think that Q and A part is so important because everyone is has has a burning question in their heart, and to have it answered by that person is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And unique, right? Because
0: sometimes when you, you go to these big conferences or or programs, you don't get the opportunity to actually talk directly to the person who's
1: speaking or exactly. You might stand in line and then just not get your chance. Mm-hmm. And so this, um, I'm going to try to make sure that everyone gets you know, their moment, or at least I can cull together some questions that are similar and ask those questions and, uh, and really just allow for that interaction and fun. So right
0: now, people can go to universityofheaven.com. They can follow you on Instagram, Trisha Barker, NDE. I'll have all of this in my show notes as well, where they can find you to find the link to, to purchase the near-death experience or something.
1: Yes, yes. And hopefully the link will be up soon if it's not already <laughs> when this podcast comes out and, um, and people can purchase through University of Heaven. So I'm really excited.
0: Well, thank you so much, Tricia, for your fascinating story and for your time today. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thanks for the great questions, Amy. It was fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Thanks. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.